I'm Joe Kane. I'm Dan Kane. I'm Sal Conca. And I'm Wayne Heckler. And this is The Imperfect Podcast. Don't forget to check us out at hecklercane.com and everywhere on social media. To the bumper. Oh! So guys, how cool is this? Today we have a really awesome guest, Michael Price. I know you probably have never heard his name before, but you've definitely seen his work. He is written for The Simpsons. He's an Emmy Award winner. He co-wrote The Simpsons movie. Uh, he's been with them for 13 seasons, which is clearly a career. Yeah. Um, not only that, he's now writing F is for Family, which is a Netflix animated series, and he's co-producing that with uh, Bill Burr. So that's really cool. And then for us Star Wars geeks, holy shit. <laughs> he, he wrote, he, this guy also wrote Lego Star Wars. Yeah, I, I mean, my, my son, I, I actually said to my son today, I was like, oh, I'm going to be interviewing the guy later on tonight of, uh, who does the, writes the Lego Star Wars. And he's like, oh my God. He's like, this is so awesome. He's like, <laughs> my son's four. And he was so excited mm-hmm. <laughs> that I'm going to be talking to the Lego Star Wars guy. And in my head, all that's buzzing around is going, Simpson, 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 Simpson. Simpson. <laughs> I know. We're like, like we, it's like we do the pre-interview questions and we're like, Every one of them, I was like, Simpson, Simpson, Simpsons. I was like, oh, no, I'm going to have to ask him other shit. Like, we're going to have to ask him other, yeah, well, other you know. questions. It shows us our age <laughs> growing up with the Simpsons. It was so dominant in our lives. It was a pioneer yeah. in many ways. I know. I mean, all through college. I mean, I was an avid watcher just my whole life. You, one of the first Halloween parties I ever yeah. went to, <laughs> you dressed as Homer and your yes, wife dressed as Marge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, you know, that was really cool. Um, but we yeah. changed out every single picture in the house with uh, Simpsons photos as as our Halloween decorations. Like that was your family. That was our de- yeah, like it yeah, was our yeah, family. Yeah. So. It was pretty exactly. badass. It was like walking into the Simpsons house for your <laughs> Halloween party. It was pretty cool. It was pretty damn cool. Um, I have to give a special shout out um, in how we came to get this guest, uh, Juliet Miranda, who does the Unwritable Rant. Uh, she's been really friendly to us. She's part of the Pottern family, which we're also part of. And we, could Guys, say, we could say cheers to her too. Cause... Yeah, cheers. We we don't have any bourbon and wine tonight, yeah. but <laughs> we love you and thank you so much for introducing Michael. So, you guys ready to talk to him? Absolutely. Yeah. Michael, welcome okay. to the Imperfect Podcast. <laughs> hey, thanks for having me. Hey, Great Michael. Yeah, glad to have you. Um, we have so many questions, <laughs> so hopefully we'll get to all of them. Um, I mean, a writer of Simpsons, that's the first thing that comes to mind. I you know, know, right? You're doing a lot, but wow. And I, I want to start with this. Let me say this. Simpsons was such a groundbreaker for the time. You know, it was before anything like this. You set the tone for Family Guy. I mean, that's very exciting. You guys did great there. I mean, you're a great writer. Sort of episodes that you wrote, you're co-producing. I'm just very excited. I think you did great work here. Cool. Oh, thank you. So thank there's no you. actual question. He's just buttering you up. <laughs> <laughs> well, my, Michael, I think we're, what we're trying to say is we're all actually big fans. Uh, as as uh, you can see sitting out in front here, this Homer has been actually in the shot in the background uh, hanging up behind my guitars back there uh, since this the inception of the Imperfect Podcast. So it, oh. it's just been it's been a part of our, our set here, and we just decided to bring it out and stick it out Center front. Center stage. For yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> just for you. I mean, without Homer... And none of us would be here. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Well, let's dive into you a little bit. And, you know, so yes, we know you write for The Simpsons and you've written a lot of cool stuff. Uh, You mentioned you're from Jersey. Um, How long have you been writing, though, and what was life like before The Simpsons? Uh, Well, I've been writing professionally. I got my first job as a writer uh, in 1993. So I'm going on like 20 
24, 24 years, I guess, mm-hmm. my first professional job. But uh, before The Simpsons, before my, you know, I grew up in central New Jersey, uh, fairly big Irish Catholic family, four boys. Um, I was a complete and total uh, TV kid. Like, all I did was watch sure. TV. So, uh, you know, growing up in, like, the 70s, uh, you know, well, you guys are in New York. So all I did was watch, like, Channel 5, Channel 11, Channel 9, mostly <laughs> Channel 5, Channel 11, like, uh, Bugs Bunny. Car- like, Bugs Bunny would be on every day at 3 o'clock when we get home yeah. from school. So I watched those religiously, you know. And then we'd switch over to Channel 11 for, like, Batman and... Uh, and uh, <laughs> DuckTales uh, ta- duck duck or stuff like that? Uh, or is that... Also, I'm, a little, I'm a little past DuckTales. You're a little past, okay. A little past my time. But like all that stuff, and I just, and I, old movies and, you know, all those channels uh, back in those days would just play like old, like W.C. Fields movies and Marx Brothers movies and Abbott and Costello and like the Bowery Boys and all those things. And I just ate all that stuff up. I loved it. I didn't know anything about like how you went about doing it. I just thought it was great. I have this kind of a head for... Um, remembering little trivial things. So I got into like learning the names of actors and stuff like that. And I never thought it was going to lead anywhere. Uh, and then I went to college in New Jersey and I went to graduate school for theater and I knocked around doing a bunch of different things. And then I sort of discovered that I really enjoyed comedy and I enjoyed doing uh, like performing comedy. And I got involved with a, a sketch comedy, improv sketch comedy group in the city, in New York city called Gotham city improv. Mm, and sure. that's where I started first started like figuring out like okay this is a thing that i could actually you know kind of do and uh long story short that's where i sort of the training there sort of teach you to sort of do improvisational kind of theater games which develop your sort of sense of humor on stage being spontaneous and uh then then they would tell you like okay you came up with a really funny thing during this improv like now go home and like write a scene for that character that you came up with on the spot, you know, and then that's how you learn to sort of take a spontaneous idea and then go home and like write it and turn it into a scene. So that's what's sort of teaching me what writing is about. And, uh, you know, I hooked up with a partner. Uh, we wrote a bunch of stuff together and, uh, we decided to sort of be like a two person act. And, um, we made a show together that we wrote and we sort of played it all around New York city and some people who were interested in less like from the industry, saw us and said, you should come out to LA and like showcase it in LA. So we kind of said, okay, let's go. So we threw everything, we quit everything, threw everything in a car, drove out to LA. This is like 25 years ago now, like the 92 and knocked around here for a while trying to get something going. And we eventually got a little bit of taste of stuff and got an agent from that. And that's the hard part is getting an agent. And, uh, through that, uh, we ended up splitting up our team, but, uh, uh, I, I end up sort of like writing. What you do is you write what are called spec scripts, which are like you write like sample scripts for shows that are on TV at the time. So like back then, I wrote like a Murphy Brown. Um, <laughs> oh shoot, what else? Coach. All those shows. In the oh room. yeah, all those classic oh, sitcoms. Did you do a Full House or? <laughs> uh, no, Full House. No, but I, but one of my my, my high powered agent, uh, you know, got me. He represented the guys who were the head showrunners of Full House at the time. So he got me an interview at Full House to try to pitch them to try to write like a an out uh, called a freelance episode because they like there's like writing staff and they write most of the episodes on a show but then occasionally they'll hire like freelancers to write one so they were looking so I came in with all these stories but it was like season ten or something of Full House it's been on for a long time already so all, all my, every story I pitched they'd already done or whatever so they, <laughs> how about this idea not done it how about this one no done it <laughs> it was all that and and they were they filmed at uh, Warner Brothers Studios in Burbank. 
And uh, I didn't know where to park, and parking is difficult there. And I parked on their New York City street, their back lot, which actually I think was like the place in Batman, the Batman TV show, when they would pull up to like Gotham City Hall and run up the stairs, you know, that oh, big cool. column. Yes. I think it was that place. So I parked my car right in front of like Gotham City Hall and walked through this meeting. In the middle of the meeting, uh, someone said, Is, Do you have a, I had a really crappy car. Do you have this car out there? I was like, yeah, they're about to tow it. <laughs> so that's how my meeting ended. But eventually uh, I did get some work. In, and uh, my very first job was on this sketch comedy show that was called The News, N-E-W-Z. It was like a low-budget version of Saturday Night Live, kind of a okay. Saturday Night Live knockoff. But it was my first job. And it that's led cool. to watch I can't, I can't help somewhere? noticing that he has made like five Batman comments. Are you a Batman fan? Uh, I, I, I see the Joker back there behind you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I love, I love old Batman, Adam West Batman. Sure. Like that came on when I was a kid, you know? So like I was so into that show. I loved it so much. Uh, my friends in the schoolyard, cause it used to be on two nights in a row. The original show when it came on, it was on Wednesday night and they'd have the little cliffhanger and mm-hmm. then it'd be on Thursday. It would be the second okay. half. So on Thursday morning at, in like first grade, all we could talk about was like, what are they, how's he going to get out of it? What's he going to do? You know, <laughs> they're in that, they're in that giant ice cream cone, like that the Riddler put them in, Mr. Freeze put them in. How are they going to get out? So yeah, totally into that. Uh, I never read the comic books. Uh, I, I enjoy going to see the new movies. Uh, the new, new ones, the Ben Affleck ones, I'm not too crazy about like Batman versus Superman. Mm-hmm. But I don't like the kind of dark Zack Snyder version of uh, Superman and Batman, but the Adam West Batman the greatest thing ever. <laughs> you're, you're into the classics. You like the Three Stooges. You like Adam West. Yeah. You know. I remember those yeah. days so clearly in school. Same exact experience with that. I was waiting there. Yeah, it's great. And and it's yeah. funny that you're from Jersey, so you do know the same channels, like you were saying. So we really connect here with the same exact shows at the same time. Right. There wasn't that much yeah. to offer. There was no cable. That's all. You had a few choices. So it's great. I, I love the same influence the you had. Ever. The greatest thing ever they had was that thing called TV Picks. Do you remember that? Yes. Is that the game show with Picks? Like picks? Yeah. Picks, yes. Picks, Picks. It was in the early 80s, <laughs> late 70s, and it was this like really rudimentary video game <laughs> where uh, you a kid would call in or they'd call you like you'd send in a, a postcard with your phone number and they'd call you from Channel 11 and you'd play this game called TV Picks and like a thing would go across the screen like a little <laughs> thing and you'd say Picks. And it would make the thing shoot, yeah, right? Sure. And if you got three, if you got three of them, then you won a prize. And then, and then until some kid realized, like that, every kid who plays a video game now realizes that if you just hit the button a thousand times, like <laughs> it'll get it. So, so the first kid who did it, he just went like, pick, 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 and he won. That was that was basically the end of the game. But, uh, that's that's, that's great. funny. I remember that so great. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> yeah, hey, it was great. Interactive television. Interactive. It, it was before it's time. Outside or play. I, I didn't go out and play. I didn't have a life. I just watched TV. So luckily, luckily it prepared me for a career, but I didn't realize at the time. It paid off, most certainly. <laughs> That's funny. So you're out there, you're, you're writing for some shows like the news and getting some gigs. The Simpsons come calling, or do you call this? How do you get that gig? What's the meeting well, like? How, how does that yeah. happen? Well, uh, it's a story that I tell a lot, but uh, because it's sort of like the story of um, like, well, I'll tell you, because a lot of people ask, like, how do you get started? Like, what ha- what do you do? Mm-hmm. And I always say, like, you know, just try anything. Take any opportunity. You never know where it's going to land. So uh, so I've been knocking around. I did got some work here and there. Uh, and I finally got on my very first sitcom was the show that was on uh, 20 years ago now. It was on the old UPN channel, which was I think was Channel 9 in New York. 
uh, and it was called Homeboys in Outer Space. <laughs> and uh, it was about these two guys in space. It was really dumb. It was really funny. It was really silly. Yeah. And it only lasted one season. And it still comes. It's still kind of like a joke, like a punchline, you know, in, in like TV circles. It, but uh, working on that show were a lot of great writers. And working on that show, it's consultants, meaning they only work two days a week, were Al Jean and Mike Reese, who had been on The Simpsons, were the showrunners of The Simpsons for a couple of years, then created The Critic. And then after The Critic went off and had like an overall deal at Disney where they were creating shows. And I got to know them there. And then the very next year, they created their own show for ABC, which was called Teen Angel. And they hired me on that show. And then after that, they worked on another show they worked on them with. And I got to know them through that. And eventually they went back to The Simpsons where uh, Al Jean went, went back and became like the head showrunner of The Simpsons again. So he already knew me and uh, we'd worked together. So like five years or so or four years after Homeboys in Outer Space, we worked together a couple of times. I was on this whole other show uh, that was about to get canceled. And he called me out of the blue and just say, like, you know, I'm back at The Simpsons. Uh, we have an opening you know, are you available? Would you like to be on The Simpsons? So I was like, uh, yes, definitely. The show was about to get canceled. He goes, well, let me know if it does. And so then I started kind of praying for that show to get canceled because it was going to get canceled. And then it did. And then I called him up and he's like, yeah, so they hired me. That's how I got hired on The Simpsons. But it, it, you always, like, you never know, like, what show or what thing, what job is going to be the thing that will meet help you meet somebody who will help you five the Simpsons have already Simpsons. been going for so many years Since at that point, too. Uh, jumping into yeah. something like that, is that is that something that makes you nervous? Because now you're going into a show that, hey, how much longer of a run? I, I mean, who knew that it would take you another 14 years now at this point? Uh, further, yeah, but 15, 15 years. How do you look uh, at well, that? I wasn't thinking about I was I was I, I'd been on all I had been on at that point were shows that lasted like half a year or like uh, I was on one show that lasted a full season. So. To be on a show that I knew would be on at least two years, I was like <laughs> over the moon, yeah. you know. And and to be on The Simpsons, which uh, which which is still the greatest show ever, you know. And especially back then, you know, was coming off its heyday and uh, was still, you know, such great writers. And to go into that room with these people, I was just unbelievably thrilled. I was very it was a very daunting experience because uh, when The Simpsons started, I watched it quite a bit. I really enjoyed it. I always admired it, but. There were a couple of years there where I was busy, you know, working on other things and I, I got married. I had a young son. So uh, and this is before the days of uh, TiVo and stuff like that. So uh, I missed a whole I missed entire episodes. I would watch it whenever I could. But like I didn't know the show as super well as I know now. Now I'm working on it. So I, the first day I went in there was almost exactly it was close to 15 years ago right now. It was December of 2001. And I went in there and. Um, and all these guys were there who I knew their names and I admired them so much. Like guys like George Meyer, you know, were there and John Vitti and uh, Al Jean and Mike Reese and uh, all these amazing writers. And uh, I was very intimidated by them. And um, and there were names of characters that I didn't really know who they were. Like talk about Gil, you know, old Gil, you know, <laughs> yeah. like Bill. Yes. Like I didn't know who he was. <laughs> <They're talking> about- <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, Gil, but I, I had no, I had no clue who he was. Uh, or even like, I mean, I'm going to sound, sound like, a, like an idiot now, but I didn't know like Homer's friends, Lenny and Carl, like what their names were. I just knew oh, there wow. was like Homer and Homer's two friends, you know, and, and so. Don't ever show uh, up at Comic-Con and tell anybody that. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> They'll uh, run you out of there. <laughs> and, and there's a guy that's called, um, the very first show I was working on that very first day was the one that turned out to be the 300th episode. It's where Bart sues Homer 
to be his own kid, emancipation, and he goes and ends up living in this loft with Tony Hawk and all the skateboard guys. Uh, yep. So uh, they were writing the scene in the courtroom, and they were talking about, well, who should Bart's lawyer be? And one of the guys, this guy, Ian Maxstone Graham, a great guy, he goes, well, I think it should be Burns' lawyer. And uh, and I was like, well, why would it be Mr. Burns' lawyer? And he's like, no, 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 that's what we call the guy. But that's what they call that guy who's, who other people call the blue-haired lawyer, the guy who looks like Roy Cohn, the guy's like, Mr. Simpson. <laughs> so but he's called, his official name in the writer's room is Burns' lawyer. Oh, okay. So, like, I had to learn all these things, you know? Yeah, so sure. it Well, the character list, like, how deep is that character list? Oh, it's hundreds, hundreds. Right. Hundreds. It's- yeah. Yeah, and there's a there's a big poster on our wall, like these posters that that people that the, the show puts out. There's like one of like all the characters all lined up, and so sometimes like if we're thinking of something, well, it's like all just sort of stare up and look at that wall, and like, oh yeah, how about that guy? You know, like, Excellent. well, lots of remember we'll remember that there's whatever Leopold, you know, the guy from uh, Superintendent Chalmers' assistant, <laughs> you know, things like that. <laughs> but that's just the reality of writing. I mean, when you work on this show, you're going to really know the show. But when you're first getting on your first part of it, you're not going to remember every single character because your mind is focused on other projects. Oh. But that's great. I mean, look look how far you've come. <laughs> And now you know them all, practically. I do. I do know them pretty well. And I have a pretty good memory, like I said earlier. So I, I seem to remember, like, shows from 15, you know, at least all the shows that I've worked on. I have a pretty good memory of, of someone say, like, when, when did we do that thing? I was like, oh, that was this show from, you know, eight years ago. Well, do you get any so. leeway to invent your own characters by any chance? Or have you have you invented any characters that are not Yeah, I have. Show? I mean, uh, I've come up with a couple of characters that, that have gone on, but none of them are like, as immortal, you know, as like uh, Gil or anything like that. But the one character was based on a gym teacher I had. Uh, is this guy called Coach Krupt. And uh, he's the really mean gym teacher who just throws dodgeball <laughs> bombardment all to the kids. Mm-hmm. And goes, yes. You know, so that's my guy. So whenever he shows up, you get because the Writers Guild has a, a stipulation: if you create a character like that, and he appears in a show, the first time he appears is in a show that you wrote. Then every time that guy shows up and says a line, you get like two hundred dollars. So uh, I, gotcha. I, I get Coach Crop money. That's great. Uh, that's great. And, and then there was an episode with Krusty. I mean, sorry, with Krusty like exploiting Cletus's kids to be like singing stars. So uh, we came up with all new names for Cletus's kids in that episode. So there's all these like Cletus kids that sometimes show up that are mine, like W. There's one called W. There's one called Birthday. There's one called uh, International Harvester and uh, things like that. So (laughs) those those are my characters. There you go. That's good stuff. So, I mean, you were talking about, we said like Full House, for instance, right? You go in, you pitch all these ideas. The show's been running for so long. Everything's been done, right? Same problem with The Simpsons. I mean – what do you attribute to the longevity? How do you guys keep it fresh? Is it just a factor of um, because the characters don't age, right? It's this elastic time warp that you guys kind of play in. Yeah, I think that's one big part of it. I mean, I mean, I, again, you know, I started whatever it was season thirteen or season fourteen, so the die was already cast long before by all the great guys who started the show, like you know Sam Simon and and you know Matt Groening, of course, is still there, and Jim Brooks. Uh, Al and Mike and original writers, but they created this like vast world with all these characters uh, who don't age, which is great. And it's also great that they don't really learn anything. So, you know, in the course of an episode, maybe they learn something, but then everything goes back to the the way it was, you know, which is a great, a great way for the for that show to work. Um, And, you know, so there's, and it just keeps, even though, even though, you know, they never age, we sort of keep moving forward in time 
So we're we're now doing stuff about what's happening in the world right now, you know. So you know, so that I love that part that it's always happening now. And I know there's some shows where some super fans have been very upset about things about shows that sort of messed with the timeline. Like for instance, there's a show that my friend Matt Selman wrote uh, about ten years ago now that was called That Ninety Show, where it was where Homer got involved in the grunge, the kind of Nirvana style grunge band <laughs> uh, called Sadgasm. And uh, it was all 90s because it was positing that at that time when that show was written was like 2006 or 2007. uh, Bart was born in 1996. So then so then Homer and Marge were young and in their in their early 20s and in 1991. So in that version of the show, that's that took place in the 1990s, where in the earlier episodes, they were high school in 1970. So I just love that it keeps always going forward and we're always sort of reflecting what's going on in the world right now. So there's always new stuff to find uh, new stories from that. On a personal note, what's your favorite Simpsons character to write for? Well, as a matter of fact, uh, it's Krusty and I'm writing a Krusty episode right now. The, the, we, I pitched a Krusty episode last week and, uh, it went over well enough that I'm in the middle of writing it right now. I can't really tell you what it's about, but, uh, I just love Krusty because going back to what I talked to you about earlier about how I loved watching all those old movies and W.C. Fields and Marx Brothers. I love old show business. And um, so Krusty embodies all of that, you know, he's, all that. He's old the vaudeville time. king. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I love him. I love him so much. And I've never really I had that one show. I wrote the one with where uh, Cle- like I told you, where Cletus's kids and Krusty kind of exploited them to be singing stars in the third act. But uh, I've never done like a full on just all about Krusty episodes. That's what this one is. And cool. Does he, that encompass he, Itchy well, and Scratchy as well? Then uh, or... there's no Itchy and Scratchy right now. Uh, there could be, there could be, but there's no Itchy and Scratchy element of it right now. When we see but, that episode and Itchy and Scratchy's in, you got to give him props. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> do I get two hundred? Do I get two hundred dollars? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. you, 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 you have to talk to the uh, screenwriters guild. Yeah. <laughs> right. But but they didn't invent the character. You guys did, <laughs> so that doesn't work. Right, yeah. But I love Itchy and Scratchy. My favorite episode of all time is the one with Poochie, Itchy, Scratchy, and Poochie. That is my favorite. Yeah, <laughs> I just saw that the other day. I was watching because FXX runs Simpsons like twenty four seven now. And I we just, just finished the marathon. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. It's so great. I, I don't know if you guys catch it at all on FX, but it's it's like just runs all the time. I, I didn't happen to, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. In case you didn't know, FXX runs like Simpsons forever. So, um, Ma- so Michael, yeah. what projects are you working on now besides Simpsons? Other than Simpsons? Uh, well, Simpsons, and then I have a show on Netflix called F is for Family that I co-created with the great Bill Burr, the mo- most amazing stand-up comedian in the world. Uh, and the greatest guy ever. And uh, our first season is on Netflix right now. It came out about a year ago, but there it just it just lives on Netflix. You know, you can watch it anytime. And uh, we are in the middle of making the second season right now, a uh, ten episode second season that will be coming out uh, sometime next year. So, uh, so The Simpsons is very very nicely let me sort of take like a like a hiatus or kind of a sabbatical away from The Simpsons for a little while to work on this show. And now I'm back at The Simpsons while the second season of her family is being produced and being animated and and uh, like that. So that that'll be coming on. That'll be coming out like uh, like I said, like around springtime of next year. How do they drop that? They drop that all in one big lump sum when it comes out, right? Netflix, yeah. So that's ten episodes. It'll all come out at once, and then you can watch them all at once if you like. Because sure. these days everyone binge watches. Yeah, that's yeah. how it is. It's very different than it used to be, right? We'd have to wait a whole that's- week. I know. I know. Well, unless it was no, Batman. I'm, 
<laughs> I'm not sure. I mean, I, I like I like both things. I mean, I mean, the, the Netflix way of writing shows is interesting and it was completely different from Simpsons, even though it's an animated show. It's about a family. Uh, it's set in the 1970s. But um, that was a show where where Netflix encouraged us to do their model, their binge model of storytelling, which is that like one episode kind of leads into the next with a kind of a cliffhanger where they want they want you to sort of say let's watch the next one let's watch the next one let's watch the next one mm. so, so that's been fun to do a really interesting uh, uh, way of writing that I hadn't done before well you do a and lot com- of episodical writing with the with the Simpsons now this is a different yeah completely format. different completely different but really fun in that way. and that's the kind of stuff that I like to watch like I watch a lot of comedy but I mostly try to I mostly watch like serialized dramas like Westworld you know which just ended and mm, I was sure. crazy really you know, and but there's there's something to do there's something cool about I think the binge model is great because another show we just watched, my wife and I just watched, is this one about Prince uh, Queen Elizabeth called The Crown that's on Netflix. That was really good. Uh, and we kind of binged through that in a couple of days. But Westworld was the kind of show where, like, you had to wait each week for it to come out. And, like, so that, that anticipation of, like, when's it going to come out, I think is very exciting. And, and, you know, there's shows like that, the kind of shows that I really like that are come out on, like, the regular networks. Like, uh, I was really into, like, Sopranos and Mad Men. Uh, uh, Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul. Those sure. are the kind of shows. And the, the Americans is great, um, where where you have to wait each week for it to come out, and that there's something great about that. Still, there's a certain anticipation going. Uh, like, oh man, what it's it's that old old uh, uh, phrase about the the water cooler talking about the the episode and around the water cooler the next day. That's yeah, exactly. there's a certain excitement behind that. Yeah, yeah. The, the only show that I do like that now is Walking Dead. Like I, I you know, I binge watch a lot of stuff, but The Walking Dead, I still I have to watch it live when it's on every week. You know, I wait for it. I wait for that anticipation. Yeah. Um, you know that type of thing. So, uh, I'm curious though with Netflix and how that process works. How influential are they in the creative process, or do they just give you guys full reign? Um, you know, was that commissioned by Netflix, or did you guys shop it around and Netflix picked it up? Uh- we actually took it first to another place. We took it to Cartoon Network originally. Um, and this was a couple of years back before Netflix really was doing much. Like they had, I think at the time when we first sold it, we first took it to Cartoon Network. I think Netflix maybe had one show. I think they had Orange is the New Black, I think was their first show, or House of Cards maybe. Um, and uh, so we weren't anticipating it to be a binge type show. We thought it would be more like a Simpsons style in terms of like standalone episodes. And then uh, we wrote original pilot for Cartoon Network and for various reasons, they decided not to go forward with it. So then um, we worked with uh, our production company is Vince Vaughn's production company it's called Wild West Productions. Nice. So Vince Vaughn was sort of behind that and he was very enthusiastic about the show. He's like, this is not dead. We're gonna take it to Netflix, you know, you'll see. And then he did take it to Netflix and uh, it just happened that Bill Burr already had a relationship with Netflix because he had done some stand-up specials mm-hmm. for them, and so they had done very well. So um, it was a natural fit, and then we, they ordered it from there. And then they asked us to sort of make it in their style of, uh, of writing. And by the time before we, by the time we wrote it, got the deal made, and it came out. By that time, there were a bunch of shows on. <laughs> we were one of many shows on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And now there's like I don't know hundreds and hundreds of shows on Netflix, of which we are we are one. But they've been very great. They're very very encouraging, very, uh, they sort of let us have pretty much have free reign in many ways. So they, they give suggestions and t- talk about like, what if it was this? What if it was that? But very encouraging. Uh, and if anything, they were like, go further, like push the envelope because we were on Netflix. We didn't have to abide by any kind of network uh, censorship rules. So, uh, if you've seen Esther family, 
it's very R-rated in terms of language and, and yep. things you see on the screen. And uh, they were like, go for it, go for it, just go for it, just it's, go crazy. Bill, Bill Burr comedy, I mean. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was going to say, could Bill really live anywhere else yeah. other than <laughs> Netflix? Because his style comedy, right, I mean... To be censored, I don't think. I, I, I don't think, think it would if work. they were on Cartoon Network with like even Adult Swim, where they push the envelope a little bit more uh, at night, I would think that would be restrictive for you guys, considering his been. type of comedy. It would have been. So I can't imagine the version that version of the show. I'm, I'm glad that it worked out this way because Netflix has just been the perfect perfect place for the show, and we've been so happy with them, and they've been very happy with us. So. How does, like, I see it now, the way writers mostly make it, it seems more rare for a writer to make it as a creator right off the bat. It seems like you have to be a writer for another show, you do, you know, you do your scripts. Um. Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, it's a little bit different now than it used to be only in because of technology. But normally how it would work is like, yeah, you'd get like my my sort of path was, you know, you, you get you get staffed, you know, like you get you get hired on a uh, as a. A, a one of many writers on a writing staff and then you sort of you know establish yourself that way and then maybe after you've worked on a couple of shows or you've got a little couple things under your belt then then your agent feels like they can call up like an NBC network and say like this guy wants to come pitch you a new show because he's worked on this show for a couple of years so that's that's why it always did work it still kind of works that way but now you know like there's there's a number of shows that are on there like like Broad City, you know, which started out as a web show, you know, those two those two women like just created their own web show, and it's so funny that Comedy Central said we're going to turn it into a TV show. So I mean, th that still happens a little more than it definitely that wouldn't have happened 20 years ago before the internet. So, but it's still sort of that way of like sort of you have to sort of you know establish yourself a little bit in the business, you know, and then before you can sort of just walk in the door of like yeah. uh, NBC or, or HBO and say, here's the show I want to do. One thing we didn't get to yet, and it's pretty big deal for us, is the Lego Star Wars series that you've written. Yeah. We're so we're we're huge Star Wars fans, you know. We're it's true. we're going we're going to Rogue One together, like you know we're all going to watch that. Um, so you executive produced these uh, series and the TV specials. Uh, one of them yeah. being the Yoda Chronicles, which was huge. I know Joe has seen Droid that with his Wars. son. Um, uh, tell us yeah. about that that experience and what was well, developing that was those a, like. That was incredible. I mean, I've always been a big Star Wars fan. Uh, huge, you know, going back to 1977, you know, when the first movie came out. So, uh, and uh, it just sort of worked out that way that. Um, you know, Lego had done these video games, the Lego Star Wars video games, and they have little cut scenes in them that would be little funny, little like two or three minute shorts. And they decided they wanted to try to make it into a full 22 minute special. And they kind of went out to a bunch of writers and uh, they knew about me a little bit because I had came close to working on another Star Wars related comedy show uh, that was called Detours. That was um, it's kind of the great unseen Star Wars comedy show that was produced by the guys that make Robot Chicken, Seth mm -hmm. Green and Matt Penreich. Mm -hmm. And um, that's a huge hell of a story for another day, but like they they made this amazing show that uh, is still sort of sitting on the shelf right now after um, the, the sale between uh, Lucas and Disney, they decided to sort of like hold that show off. So, but anyway, uh, I'd met with those guys about that, but I couldn't end up doing it, but they knew me, they knew my work, so they recommended me to the Lego people. And they asked they asked a bunch of writers to write in ideas for what would be a funny Star Wars Lego Star Wars special. Just come up with any idea. 
And so it was kind of blind. I didn't know who I was competing against, but I came up with this idea that turned out to be the very first one, which was called the Padawan Menace, which was about a bunch of kids on a field trip who, uh, during the Clone Wars times, the prequel times, go on a field trip to the, to the Senate uh, and get embroiled in this adventure with Yoda and, um, and the Emperor and uh, General Grievous and all these characters and, uh, and Jabba the Hutt and all that stuff. And so they, they liked that, and they hired me to, to write that story. So I wrote that one which became the first special. And they decided they wanted to do a second one. And they asked me to do a second one. And that second one was called The Empire Strikes Out. And so that one, I decided to sort of make it more in like Luke Skywalker time. So that was really fun. And then they decided they wanted, they wanted to do a series of like three or four in a row. So that was the first one was called The Yoda Chronicles. And there was one called The New Yoda Chronicles. And then there was one called Droid Tales, which was the last big series that I worked on. That was a five episode series that was that was the most fun because that was our Lego version of all the six original movies, uh, like sort of a retelling of the six original movies in, Le- in Lego. So where, do um, all the, where do all those live? Where can people go see those now? Uh, uh, I think the, the Droid Tales and um, the New Yoda Chronicles were produced for Disney XD. So they may still be able to see them on like the Disney XD app. I think they're probably available on iTunes. Um, the last thing I did for them right now, I haven't worked on anything for them for a little while, but I did some stuff last year. It's these little shorts that were called The Resistance Rises that um, that were kind of little mini kind of prequels to The Force Awakens. So those are out there too, I think. You can find those probably on YouTube even or on um, Lego, the Lego website or on Disney XD. But those are really fun to do because... Um, I got to have a kind of a sneak peek at like the script of the force awakens because we were writing kind of writing these shows in the, in the dark because the, the movie didn't exist yet, but we had to write stuff based on it. So they let me come into a, an office at uh, Disney studios and sit in a closed room and read and read the screenplay. Oh, <laughs> the that's cool. Probably yeah. sign away your life. If you ever talked yeah. about yeah, it. Right. Right. <laughs> so they were talking about like raft tars and things like that before I knew we, nobody knew what they looked like or what they were, but we sort of had to go with, uh, go on faith. Like, you know, they're big, ugly, horrible, scary things. Okay. That's what <laughs> raft or Maz, or like Maz Kanata, like nobody knew what she even looked like. Even at the time they were working on the film, they hadn't quite figured out what her, what she was going to look like. So it was, it was really interesting and fun to work on that. That's funny. I have a fun fact for everybody. I don't know, being that you're a comedy writer, I don't even know if the guys here have seen this before. There was a 1978 short film parody called Hardware Wars. Have you ever yes, seen? Have yeah. you seen yes, that, Michael? I, have. Yeah. I mean, when That's you when you one of the first uh, like Star Wars parodies, I think probably it was. It was Augie Ben Doggy and uh, all the great characters that were in there, and uh, <laughs> it, it. I just I, I figured you must have known it because of the way you write and and the snark yeah. and and all that. Have you guys seen? I, ha- I haven't seen it. No. Uh, well, we're gonna have to. Well, act- I'll tell you something. I'll tell you an interesting story. Is that like back in the late nineties, ninety nine, or so. Uh, 99, 2000, I was working at Disney on an animated show for them uh, called Teacher's Pet. And, uh, and these two young guys were, were, had been hired by Disney to develop some animated shows. And they were really young. They were really fresh and really funny, great guys. And they were really into Star Wars. And they brought in a VHS tape, which I was the only, there were DVDs didn't even exist yet, I don't think, of um, the holiday special, the Star Wars holiday special. And the one with Life Day and everything, you know, which is really terrible. But we laughed at that really hard. And they also brought in, they had the, this one called Troopers, which was like a parody of cops with Stormtroopers. If you look for that on YouTube, you'll see that's like one of the first really great Star Wars parodies. And they were totally fun guys. They were like, oh, these guys are hilarious. They're great. You know, and, and we got along pretty well. And then uh, they, they were 
Phil Lord and Chris Miller, you know, who are now directing the Han Solo movie, you know, who uh-huh. did the Lego movie, yeah. everything like that. But even then, like, I mean, I knew them when they were like, whatever that was 15, 16 years ago, but they were really, into, even then they were like completely into Star Wars. And so I've been very happy to see that they're now making the Han Solo movie. Nice. Congratulations yeah. again on renewing for season two of F is for Family. We know how hard it Thank is you. to renew. Uh, I hope everybody listening to this episode goes and checks it out. Um, for sure. Thanks so much for your time today, Michael. This was a blast for us. It was a true uh, yeah. look into our childhoods and, and getting to ask you a whole bunch of fun questions. So I hope you enjoyed it, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. We wish you the yeah, best. Yeah, Thanks so much. All right, Thank take you. care. Thank you. Thanks. Bye, Michael. Bye. Bye.